This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast with Andrew Jobling, author, speaker, educator, entrepreneur, and AFL player. Join Andrew as he continues his lifelong journey as a student of human behavior. This podcast will help you live your passion, explore your potential, step into your power, and embrace your possibilities. Embrace your possibilities. possibilities. Andrew Jobling here. This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast, and I am excited to be here for another week. To be honest, I have red eyes. Lucky you can't see me. So you're definitely going to need a box of tissues this week as I speak to the wonderful John Ma. John is a man that I've known for quite a while. I've been helping him write his book, and finally, after many years, he's now a published author, and his book is called Carmen's Legacy. And let me tell you, this is an incredibly powerful story a heartbreaking story, but John is someone who's taken the tragedy of losing his 18-year-old daughter in a car crash 26 years ago. And for the last 26 years, not only has John had to deal with the pain and the heartbreak of losing his daughter, but now he speaks in schools, he speaks in corporates, he's spoken to close to a million people about Carmen's story and about road safety and about seeing the value in yourself and understanding the impact that you have or the impact that everyone has on other people's lives when they choose to be reckless. Reckless with driving, we're reckless in other areas. It's not just us that's going to be impacted. And John's story is powerful. As I said, get yourself a box of tissues, sit yourself down and enjoy this amazing conversation with John Ma. How wonderful to see the fabulous John Ma. G'day, John. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Andrew. And how are you? I'm good, mate. It's been far too long, hasn't it? It has been far too long. Yes, my word. And people listening can't see what I can see behind you. And I can see the cover of Carmen's Legacy, which is the book you've just published, mate. And how long has this book been in the journey? Well, it's been 21 years, Andrew. And um, I was in limbo for eight years until I saw you on a Facebook page and I made contact with you and went to one of your meetings and you inspired me to claw my way out of limbo. And I can tell you it was really hard. And as you know, uh, with our discussions, I was very deep in the hole of not ever being able to put another word into my transcript. And it was hard work. It was a, it's a tough book that I have written. It has been very personal and very hard on me. And the only person in the entire world that knew that I would be able to write this book was me. My family said, you'll never be able to do this. Ange told me, that's my wife, said to me, I do not want you to do this. I don't want you to put yourself through this. And it has been the toughest thing that I have ever done since burying my daughter, Carmen, after she passed away in a car crash. Mate, it has been a real journey, hasn't it? And we'll talk a little bit about that story. But, mate, wow, what you have done as a result of that tragedy in your life, and that's come to 30 years ago, isn't it? 26 years ago, Andrew, yeah. So 26 years ago, your daughter lost control of her car and wrapped it around a tree out in rural Victoria and ended up losing her life and wow what a tragic event but mate what inspires me about you the most is what you've done with that and and I know a lot of people that would have just spiraled into the abyss and what you've done you've for the last 26 years you have been on a mission 
and that mission is to save lives and that mission is to stop the futility of the amount of deaths on the road. And I'll ask you in a sec, mate, I mean, how many schools have you spoken at? How many teenagers have heard Carmen's story? How many corporates have you spoken to? You've now just published a book and we were chatting the other day, mate, and you're selling thousands and thousands of copies. And I said this to you, didn't I? I said, mate, as soon as it's out, it's going to absolutely take off. Over the last 26 years, tell me how many people you've spoken to and you've shared Carmen's story and you've inspired. You would never know how many lives you have saved in 26 years, but I would venture a guess it's been in the thousands. Well, Andrew, I'm the spokesperson. That's all I am. And I know that every time I stand up in front of a school, Carmen is standing beside me. And I believe, I truly believe that Carmen has saved many, many lives through her story, which is told by me. To give the people who are listening a bit of an idea, it was a beautiful Saturday morning and Carmen was 18 years and three months. And her best friend, Carmen, had stayed overnight at our property just outside of Bendigo in country Victoria. And Carmen, her best friend, was also 18 years and three months, but hadn't even started to learn to drive. So now Carmen had to take Carmen Trevine into McDonald's, where she worked part-time of a weekend. What we didn't know at the time was the two girls had talked in the bedroom until 4.30 in the morning, as kids do when they're growing up and have their friend over. And uh, Carmen took her into work and on the way home, after dropping, thankfully dropping Carmen Trevine off at McDonald's, she went to sleep at the wheel crashed into a tree and poor Carmen was killed instantly. And our eldest daughter, Michelle, was the third car on the scene. So it was a tragedy beyond what anybody can actually understand unless they have been through that same type of tragedy themselves. And what I then have been trying to do ever since is to stop families from feeling the loss and going through what is a completely avoidable tragedy. Yep. Car crashes are avoidable. And a lot of people call them car accidents. They are not accidents. They are car crashes because there is never an accident. Someone makes a mistake for a car crash to happen. And they are all avoidable. If no one made a mistake, there would be never a car crash. I speak to between 70 and 80 secondary colleges a year. And I speak at corporate events all around Australia. I'm an international keynote speaker as well. The biggest presentation I've ever spoken at was the Million Dollar Roundtable in Vancouver, Canada in 2016, where there were 12,500 delegates who heard my presentation. And the speaker after me was Sully, who landed the plane on the Hudson. He was much more exciting, apparently. But he, he, wasn't, he actually wasn't more exciting because the people mobbed the stage after my presentation and we had to have dinner. And I actually went to dinner with Sully and the organisers. Sully came out on stage and said, John, would you join me for lunch? And it was just an amazing experience. But I've spoken to in excess of 450,000 students over the time. And I don't know exactly the number of schools because they vary every year, but over three to 400,000 corporates at corporate events as well have heard Carmen's story. And I know it's life-changing. I am told every day it's life-changing. And when you speak at a school to a group of Year 12 students, say 300 Year 12 students, and the first person who comes up on stage is a six-foot-five young man who picks you up off the ground to give you a cuddle and tell you that this is the most amazing thing that he's heard and that I may have saved his life. And my response to him was, Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate the cuddle. And to do this in front of your peers is amazing. 
He said, I didn't cuddle you for my peers. I cuddled you because I wanted to cuddle you and Carmen because what you have done for my life here today. And these are the things that inspire me and make me continue to speak about Carmen and relive Carmen's death in that car crash day after day after day. And I am really happy to do it. And I can do my presentations quite easily. But Andrew, as you know, the book was completely different. This was every time I put a word onto the screen or onto the page, it was like a stab in the heart. And it was word by word by word. And it is so hard to do. And I honestly didn't think that I would ever complete this book until I met you, Andrew Jobling. And I thank you for, look, we didn't work all the way through this together hand in hand. I know that. But you got me back on track and I would get this email from you that would just turn up in my email box. How's it going, mate? And you would force me back into my writing mode again. And that would last for maybe for a day. It might last for a month. And then I would get another contact from you and it would force me back into it again. And now I have in my hand something that I am so proud of achieving. And yeah. finishing. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. And thank you. But you did this. And there's a couple of things there. Wow, mate, what an impact you're having on the world. Because, you know, you mentioned 450,000 students, you mentioned three or 500,000 corporates. But what about the ripple effect of what you said? And that six foot year 12 student that hugged you, how many people was he going to influence? And so the ripple effect of what you're doing, mate, is millions and millions and millions of people. And he's going to now with a book, you've got a legacy that's going to live on long beyond you because you're not going to be able to get up and do it forever. I know you will for as long as you can. And I know you're still energized and and love it. But at some point, that's got to stop. So your book is now going to keep going and keep taking this message of Carmen's legacy around the world. So good on you, mate. I think that's so, so amazing. John, we're going to have a very quick break. And then I really want to come back and I want to really get into the meat of this because your message is incredibly powerful. It's something that every single person on the planet needs to hear, not just teenagers. And you talk about car crashes can be avoided. Well, so can many other things like suicide, for example, or addiction or crime or all these other things where people in the moment are not thinking about anyone but themselves. They're not stopping to think about the ramifications of their choices and the effects going to have on the people that are left behind. And I know that's your message, John, and that's what you're really trying to reinforce with young people is when you are reckless on the road, it's not just your life you're going to destroy. It's many, 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 many lives are going to be affected by that. So let's come back after a quick break. How do you rate the most important things in your life? For many of us, long life and joy are high on the list. Important elements we can't buy but the secret to attaining them is elusive and out of reach for many. Andrew Jobling has tackled these important questions in his book, The Wellness Puzzle, Living a Life of Joyful Longevity. Andrew solves the problem by teaching the seven pieces to optimal well-being. This is a must read. Find out more about The Wellness Puzzle and Andrew's other books at andrewjobling.com.au. So, John, I guess the first question I have for you, you said how hard it was 
to write the book and you said every word was like a knife in the heart. For 26 years, you've stood on stages, you've told Karma's story, you've told it time and time again. You've taken yourself back into that moment when you heard the news. You've taken yourself back into that moment when you saw the car crash and you were confronted by the police and you've told that, and I've heard it several times as well. Why was it so hard to write it? It was very hard to also do the presentation in the first two years. And I came home from a presentation one day and I had Ange, Michelle, Katrina and Jasmine sitting in the lounge room. And I said, what are we doing? Having a family meeting? And they said, yes, and it's all about you. And Michelle, who's very forthright, our eldest daughter, she looked at me and she said, see, look, you've got red eyes. You've been crying again. And I used to give these talks in the first two years at schools. I'd be able to complete the presentation. Carmen obviously gave me the strength to do that. But when I got in my car, I would drive around the corner and I was in my early to mid 50s and I would sit in my car and sometimes I would cry for an hour because I've just told everybody how we lost our beautiful daughter in a car crash and how that is the end. And Carmen was the lucky one that day because she was dead. And I know how it impacted all of the students who were listening to that, but it also impacted me, but I was able to get out of that school before it impacted me. They said, we want you to give it away before you end up in the loony bin. That was the comment. And I said, look, I agree. I thought I would have been able to handle this better by now, and I can't. So I have five more schools to do, and after that, I will quit. I went to the very next school, and I was halfway through the presentation. There were 400 students sitting in the audience, year 10 students. And I said to them, and do you know what you have done for me here today? You have brought Carmen back into my life for another hour. And it was at that point in time that it lifted the weight off my shoulders, and all of a sudden, I understood that if I stopped giving this message to students, Carmen wouldn't be in my life. You'd lose her. Yes, I would lose her. And I'm the lucky one in my family because I get to talk about Carmen every day that I'm at a presentation. And the reason it was so hard to write the book was because I was doing it word by word. And it was letter by letter as I put Carmen's death in that car crash onto the screen. And I couldn't even see the keyboard. I couldn't see the screen. I was crying that much. And I would, sometimes I'd slam the keyboard back into its little spot where it sits and I would walk away and I wouldn't get back to that screen to alter the book for two months or three months because I'd walk in and I'm saying, I'm going to do it today. Yep. And I'd get there and the stab would hit me in the heart again. Yep. And I knew I couldn't do it. And it wasn't until... Actually, Andrew, you honestly forced me to do it. You might not realise that you did that, but you let me understand that I had unfinished business. And that was the thing. I had unfinished business because the world needs this book. Yep. The schools need this book. Yep. Corporates need this book. And I actually have the Ballarat McDonald's, they own... 12 outlets, and on the 28th of August last year, three of their employees knocked off work at 3.30. One was aged 15, one was aged 16, and the other was aged 19. The 19-year-old let the 16-year-old girl drive. Ten minutes after they left their employment, at 20 to 4, two of them were dead, and the driver will live in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. 
Now, they came to me because it's in the book how a student at Warrnambool College heard my presentation in 2019. It was her brother who was killed. And all of a sudden in the afternoon, that very afternoon, flowers started turning up. Hannah said to her mum, are we going to continue to get flowers because of Joel's death? Her mum said, yes, that's how people express their sorrow towards us. And she said, well, that's no good to anyone. She said, what I would like, is there any way, instead of receiving flowers, can we support Carmen's road safety? You know how Carmen's road safety impacted me when I heard it at school when I was in year 10. And see, Joel should have heard that presentation, but we had COVID. And I looked at my diary and two days earlier was when my presentation was supposed to have been given to that young man at Warrnambool College. And now he had lost his life in a car crash at, at year 10. Those parents went into Warrnambool College at 8.30 the next morning. And they asked if the college could put out a request to all parents not to send flowers, but to support Carmen's road safety. And we set up a GoFundMe page for Carmen's road safety, which I closed down one month later, with $32,000 donated into that GoFundMe page. Wow. Now, that's in the book, and that is the power of Carmen. That is the power of parents who understand what can happen in their family, in their life, should they lose their son or their daughter. And, you know, mums and dads are kills on roads as well. And so are grandparents. And so are brothers and sisters and cousins. And our roads are the most dangerous place for anyone to be. We believe today that as we sit here, that we are very healthy. But tomorrow, if we are no longer alive, probably the only way that will happen will be because of a car crash or crossing the road or something on our roads. Yep. And that is what I am trying to get out there to people. And you made a very, very relevant comment before we went to the break. And that was the people king hit each other. People fight. People bully each other. All of these types of things are actions that are taken, a deliberate action that should not be taken. I'm old now. <laughs> I'm 71. But what I have seen since when I was a younger person, when I was calling someone who was 30 years old and I was 16, and I called them Mr., or I call them Mrs. or Miss. Do you know, that respect has gone. And that's not the world that we live in these days. And I am happy to be living in this world. But we need more respect in this world. We need to understand that everybody is entitled to live their life the way they want to live it. Let's not bully them. Let's not, for no reason, King hit somebody down the street. Let's not get involved in a gang that goes around doing these types of things and understand that a life, every life is precious. And every life is connected to someone. Connected, yes. And that's really important. And I want to touch on that in a sec, mate, but I want to go back to the original question about writing the book. And I want to ask you now that it's written, how are you changed as a result of the cathartic experience of you went through the, every word and every stab of a knife in your heart as you were writing this book. How do you yeah. feel now? I am incredibly proud. I am proud of myself. I am proud of my family because Michelle, Katrina and Jasmine have all written a chapter each. They've contributed to the book. 
Can you believe a person who failed his last two years of English at school has written a book? I believe it, mate, because I'm pretty much the same. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my girls were really smart at school. I don't know where they got that from, but they have written three magnificent chapters in this book, and I am so proud of them. And I am proud of Ange, my wife as well. Ange could not write a chapter, and I understand fully why Ange couldn't write a chapter. She couldn't write a word because Ange and my girls, the saddest thing for me is 26 years down the track is when we all get together for Carmen's birthday or for the anniversary of her death, and I see them all cry. I don't cry anymore, but I see them cry because you can't have your sister and your daughter in your life for 18 years and three months and then lose her and not still have her in your heart. You have forever. You carry them in your heart yep. forever. Yeah. And there are certain times when things hurt. And I have two granddaughters that say the same things that Carmen used to say. And I will jump over a table to give them a cuddle because I hear Carmen. Yep. I hear Carmen arming out through them. And it is an explosion of joy. Yeah. It that's really awesome. is. That's awesome, John. Look, I love it. And we're only doing audio at the moment, but if people could see you, if they could see what I'm seeing and see the passion, you're so invested in this. And you're right. Every time you talk about Carmen, you bring her back to life and it's you linking arms with Carmen and you're changing lives. And like the devastating reality is you had to lose her to be able to have this impact on the world, but you can never lose her. She's always there. She's always with you. Now, John, as I'm listening, going, as I do podcasts, it's always which direction is it going to go and where's the main theme? I truly feel like people listening need to hear this message. And the message is this, and it's not just about driving because people have car crashes all the time. You said it can be prevented. I'm also talking to people that are not looking after their own health and well-being. I'm talking to people that Mm. are reckless in other ways. I'm talking about people that are doing things that they think it only affects them. But John, what I want you to touch on, and I want people to hear this. Now, this is 26 years down the track, and you said every time you guys get together and celebrate Carmen's birthday, there's tears, there's the heartache, the heartbreak is always going to be there. So I think the message I want to hear, mate, and I know, again, this makes it tough for you, but I mean, this is what you do, right? The thing that I feel like can have the biggest impact on lives is people truly understanding the ripple effect of their choices and the people that are affected, the people who are left behind, the people who are impacted by what they do. Tell us a little bit about that ripple effect when Carmen lost her life that day. I will. And before I even do that, I want to say to people that they all should understand this, that You are the most important person in the world to the people who love you. And I say that to everybody, and it's in my book, repeated in my book. But what happened the day that we lost Carmen? We were at home. Michelle had headed off into work. She was an apprenticed hairdresser. She was the third car on the scene. So Michelle is our eldest daughter. And when Carmen got in the car, Michelle actually said to Carmen, Carmen, you're tired. Wind the window down, turn the wireless up. You'll be right, mate. I'll catch you later. And she gave her a big thumbs up. Now, Michelle was the third car on the scene. And 
Michelle has blamed herself ever since that day for her sister's death. And no one else does. I certainly don't. Because like most people in Australia and in the world, we have all driven our car while we're tired. Every single one of us has. And I never do that now because Carmen taught us that fatigue is the silent and deadly killer on our roads. What happened next was we were at the back of my car. We were actually going into Bendigo to do some fundraising for what was then called the Spastic Society of Victoria. And we did that. We were doing that because Michelle was so pleased that she wanted to do something for people less fortunate than us. And now here we were on that very day losing our beautiful Carmen. We're standing at the back of the car and a police car drove in. The policeman got out and he looked at us and he said, I said, can I help you? He said, there's been a car accident and it's Carmen and she's gone. And he's crying. He's 24 years old crying. And I said, what do you mean? Where's Carmen gone to? And all he could get out was, there's been a car accident and it's Carmen and she's gone. And I got really angry and I said, mate, what are you talking about? Where's Carmen gone to? Just then the back door of the police car opened and Michelle got out with tears streaming down her face. And I'll never, none of us will ever forget what we heard and saw from Michelle. She said, dad, and she put her arms out towards us and she said, Carmen's dead. Just like that. And there's no taking that back. That's the problem. And as I say in my book, Carmen was indeed the lucky one that day because Carmen was killed instantly, fortunately. She wasn't even injured. She didn't live for a second after hitting that tree. We know that because of her injuries. Then flowers started turning up. I then had to make phone calls. I had to ring Katrina, our second eldest daughter, who was in Sydney. She was the assistant manager of the second largest Bets and Bets shoe store in Australia, and she was just 21 years old. I rang Katrina and I asked the manager who answered the phone, fortunately, to stand by and support her if I could. She came to the phone and before I could say anything, she said, Dad, fancy you ringing me on a Saturday morning. I didn't even want to come to work today, Dad. This is sensational. You've made my day. I said, Trina, I've got some really, really bad news to tell you. Trina, there's been a car accident. And Trina, I'm really sorry it's Carmen. And Trin Carmen is dead. Now, that's what every family will have to do when someone loses their life on the roads. If someone takes their life and a family is involved, if someone is stabbed and killed, anything like that. And what they will hear on the other end of their phone from their daughter or their brother or sister is similar to what I heard from Katrina. I heard Trina saying, no, Dad. No, Dad. No, Dad. Not Carmen, Dad. No, Dad. No. Then she dropped the phone in the Betts and Betts shoe store, and I could hear poor little 21-year-old Katrina screaming at the top of her voice, Carmen, 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 Carmen. And I couldn't even put my arms around her. And then people started turning up because I'm making phone call to mum and dad, to my brothers and sisters, Angie's family, and people started turning up at our house. Flowers were turning up. Our house was full of people within two hours and everyone was crying and hugging each other. And the ripple effect was going overseas. We were getting overseas phone calls. 
We were getting interstate phone calls. People were crying on the phone to us. And in the end, it was such that we were the ones that were supporting other people that were turning up brokenhearted because Carmen had been killed in a car crash. And I just thought Carmen was Carmen. But when we went to the biggest funeral that I have ever been to in my entire life six days later, when the church couldn't even hold the people, I realised that our beautiful Carmen wasn't just our Carmen. She belonged to everyone. And that's what people must understand. You are the most important person in the world to the people who love you so much. And you simply cannot do to them what Carmen did to us. And that's the message in this book. And the message in this book will empower people. Because this book even still empowers me. When I pick this book up, I am again proud and empowered because I truly believe this book will go on long after I'm gone. I will be going to the education department in Australia. My goal for this book is to be a compulsory year 10 read as part of education in Australia. I want the year 10s who are the learner drivers in this country to understand who they are. They are the future. They are the most important people in the world. They are the future of the people who are going to use our roads and our road use will be in their hands. And we need to draw a line in the sand today. And that line in the sand is put this in the hands of our learner drivers so they understand what they're going to do to mum and dad, to their brothers and sisters, to their schoolmates, and they need to take responsibility for their actions on the roads and for their actions down the street and for their actions in their gang, if you like, because they can make the difference. We can't. I'm 71. I can't make the difference anymore. I will make a difference after the school holidays when I'm at the next lot of schools. I will make a difference there. But this book is my legacy as much as it is Carmen's legacy. And I truly believe that it will make a difference. And Andrew, this book, I have to give you credit. This book wouldn't be completed today only for you giving me the kicks in the bum that I needed. And I did need them. And I needed someone to be tough with me. And you were. And my family were gentle with me because they said, we knew this would be too hard, Dad. Don't keep putting yourself through this. We don't like seeing you crying. But now we're all so proud of what we have. And now we will be passing this gift on through Carmen's legacy to everyone who I hope comes through the school system. And anyone, if a mum and dad are listening to this, instead of buying your son or your daughter car covers for their new car, seat covers, for $19.95, put this in their hands and you may save their life. And you may save yourself from doing something that we had to do as a family. And that was bury our beautiful daughter. There is nowhere to hide when something yep. as tragic as this happens. You can't hide. You have to face it. Yep. Oh, John, I mean, that is so incredibly powerful. I'm glad we're on audio only and not video because, mate, I've had tears in my eyes for most of that. I you know, you, that. You, yeah, I know. 
you just tell the story so beautifully because you're so passionate about it. And I know the people listening to this are getting this message loud and clear, loud and clear. And it's not about driving. It's just about knowing that you're the most important person in the world and that if you go, if you leave, you're leaving behind an absolute disaster. You're leaving behind an absolute bomb site. Hopefully that helps people as they're making choices about their life, about choices about the things they do, choices about their driving, choices about their well-being, what they're eating, what they're doing day to day. John, I tell you what, if that message hasn't got through, then I don't think anything will. So we're going to have a quick break, mate, so I can get some tissues and wipe the tears from my eyes and we'll be back. Running a personal training or group fitness business usually means hours organizing bookings, answering missed messages, and chasing payments. Until you discover the Fiddy Trainer app, Fiddy becomes the heart of your fitness business by driving your sales. Fiddy gets you paid faster, helps maintain your clients, and simplifies arranging bookings by automating everything. Let Fiddy focus on your business health so you can focus on your clients. Visit Fiddy.com to download or schedule a live demo. John, some of the things that are the hardest to do are the things that will have the greatest impact or the things that will bring us the most joy or the things that will have the greatest effect on other people's lives. And I know for you to go through the loss of a daughter, I can't even begin to comprehend what that must be like. I can't. I've lost my mum, but that's totally different. And getting up and speaking for those first two years and every time going and sitting in your car and crying for an hour and then the pain you've gone through to write your book every single time but you've done it and it's always different on the other side isn't it and i think this is a really important point once it's done you go okay that was worth it but during the process the pain and the uncertainty but you were saying just in that break the lack of belief you know you didn't believe you could write a book well have a look at you now mate yes i know i had absolutely no confidence in the fact that someone who wasn't any good at school because I'd rather play football like you. You were a footballer. You exactly. Played exactly. And uh, you know what it was like. And um, I really did think that I would be a person who could write a book, but I knew that what I was going to do was actually write it in my own words. And that's what the editor said. The editor who edited the book said, you know what, John, this isn't the writings of a typical writer, but I know exactly who you are. She said, just reading this book, I know exactly who you are because you have written this in your words and I would not change one thing, which was absolutely fantastic to hear. And uh, she also said, and it is so powerful. She said, there are very few books that have made me cry. But she said, this book is from the heart. It is the truth and it will empower so many people. That came from the editor, which was just a wonderful thing. And the other thing she did, she cut so much out of it and she said, what I'm cutting out of it is the stuff that's the fluff, that's not necessary. It made the book fat, but she said, that's all it did. And when I received the book and looked at it, and I thought, oh, this is 20 years worth of writing, is that? <laughs> but, you know, I am so proud of it. Yeah. And I know that people who read this book, the, the comments that I'm getting back already have staggered me. Yeah. And when we were editing this book we edited the book ourselves as we went through as a family so michelle katrina jasmine and Ange and myself would sit down with a box of tissues because it was the hardest thing as a family to keep doing but we did it because yep. i just kept saying they said well, you have to stop and i said no this has to be done it does this, carmen deserves to be in other people's lives 
and she needs to be. She does, John, and you will know I say all the time, it's not about the book and it's not about the book. It's not about the words. It's about the journey and it's been a journey and it's a journey. I think you probably agree now you needed to go on that journey of writing the book. I did. For a lot of reasons, for your own personal growth, but for also now the reach you've got with Carmen's message. I mean, now that message isn't limited to where you can stand on a stage in front of people. Now that message is not limited by borders or countries. There's no limit now. That book can go anywhere in the world and impact lives. But it's also about the message. It's about the impact. The belief thing's a big one. And while we're talking about the belief thing, whether it's writing a book or climbing a mountain or getting your body back into shape or regaining your health or fixing a broken relationship, whatever it might be, you wrote that book one word at a time, correct? I did. One painful word at a time, but you got there. And you can create any result you want. You don't have to believe in the whole process. You just have to believe in the next step. That's it. Like you, John, I'm a footballer. Footballers don't write, they grunt. They do. We grunt. We're good at grunting. I was a personal trainer. I didn't read. You know, English was my worst subject by a long, long, long way. And the moment I decided to write my first book, I was working in two businesses seven days a week, over 100 hours. And the belief thing for me was, well, I don't know if I can do it, but I don't know that I can't. And I knew that I can't believe in maybe a 50,000-word manuscript, but I can believe in the first 10 words. Yes. And I don't have to be a writer, but I do need to communicate what I feel and what I think. And that's all it is. It is. Taking your thoughts and your words and you're whacking them onto a document. Yeah. Your analogy of being a footballer is perfect because something that I've always said is that when you play sport, particularly football, you get knocked down and you get knocked down hard and it hurts. But do you know what you have to do? You have to get up because you've got mates around there that you have to help to support to get the ball. And that's your job. And I kept getting knocked down. And so many times, my family would be my support that would help me get up and get back into it again. But the other thing is, and I don't want to make too light of this because I really appreciate it. The other person who helped me get up was a footballer who played for St Kilda. And that's you. I think you actually did know that you were helping me get up and get going again. Because you had obviously been there, been through the process. And I urge anyone who you're helping to get through these processes of writing their book, it is not impossible. If I can write a book, I am telling you, anybody can write a book, anybody. Well, that's my message, John. That's why I started teaching people and working with people because I thought, well, if a clueless footballer with no skills, background, qualifications or time can write a best-selling book, then anyone can. And you're the same, John. I mean, I certainly wouldn't call you clueless, but you have got a best-selling book here for sure. And I know it's going to have a massive, massive impact on lives. So, John, as we start to wrap up this, from your heart, what do you want people to know? What do you want them to hear? About the book? About About anything, anything, mate, anything. What do you want people to hear for their lives? I want people to understand that I give talks on road safety. but It is not just road safety. My talks and this book is all about family. You see, family is the most important thing in the world. And I feel so sad and have only just briefly touched on it in the book because I don't know enough about it. But the people who run away from home, the kids who run away from home and break up a family, the young people who are taking drugs, 
they break up families. They end up in a situation where they have basically lost their lives while they're alive. And I look at Carmen and I say, I guess you, you reach out for some positives. And I say, thank God Carmen wasn't abducted and raped, that Carmen was, didn't disappear, that she didn't commit suicide, that this is what happened to Carmen. Now, isn't that pathetic? Honestly, that is a pathetic situation from a pathetic dad who has lost a most beautiful daughter. But understand that all of this and all of our lives, we have one life only to live. Yep. We have one crack at this. And we've been brought into this life by our family. And our family, to me, is our most important asset and our most important possession. And every time I see my kids, we cuddle. And you will see that in the book. If you, anyone happens to be kind enough to purchase Carmen's Legacy, you will see how many cuddles are in this book. I get cuddled at schools. I get cuddled walking down the street. I have had people knock on the window of my car because it has a picture of Carmen on the side of the car. And they have heard about my story and asked me to get out of the car so they can give me a cuddle. A cuddle is the most amazing form of affection that there is, I believe. Yep. And the only thing that I wish for in my entire life is to be able to give Carmen just one more cuddle. John, that's so powerful. And I think what I want to encourage people to do right now and people that might have estranged relationships with family. Yes. Go and give them a cuddle. Give them a cuddle. Give them yes. a cuddle. Give them a cuddle and tell them that you're sorry. Tell them that you want to fix things. Tell them that you want to be a part of their lives. I think yes. you're right. When we're gone, we're gone. And how many people end up getting to the end of their life and never restore a broken relationship or oh. some kind of rift that happens in the family? And okay. there's always regret. Always. Don't live with regret. One more cuddle. That's yes. going to be the title of this podcast, John. One more cuddle. And right. I think what a powerful, powerful message to finish this podcast with because there's so much that can be communicated with a cuddle. Yes, it is. I have a six foot four son in law. When I go to the football to watch my grandson play football, who's his son, Tony will always be standing with his mates and his mates spread out like this because they see me coming and Tony is shaking his head and he's saying under his breath, I can hear him saying, don't do it, Pa, don't do it, Pa, don't do it, Pa. And I walk up to him and I give him a cuddle and I, <laughs> and I say to him, I love you, Wizza. That's his nickname. And all his mates give me a pat on the back and give him a pat on the back. And one of his mates two years ago lost his brother at age 42 when he had a massive heart attack. And he was a guy who went to the gym all the time. And he said to me about three weeks afterwards, he telephoned me. He said, John, I know why you go up to Tony and give him a cuddle when you're at the footy and in front of everybody. He said, I just lost my brother, as you know, and he was a good mate of Tony's. And he said, I just wish I could give him a cuddle and say goodbye. And that is the thing. If you give everyone in your family a cuddle as often as you can, because you never know when it may be the last time you ever get to cuddle them. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, there are people going, yeah, yeah, stop talking, stop talking, and tell us where we can buy this book. That's it. So where do they get Carmen's Legacy? Yes, I've got a website. It's only just completed, and it's called carmen.com.au. And you can go on there and purchase off Carmen's website. And uh, I have a Facebook page called Carmen's Legacy, which is facebook.com forward slash Carmen's Legacy. Go to the Facebook page and you can get it there. 
And let's just all pray that I can get it into the schools because I believe that can change and save many lives. Yeah, mate, we absolutely will be doing that. So, John, thank you so much. It's been just an incredible conversation. Well done for everything you're doing to impact lives around the world. And thank Carmen as well for what she's doing to keep you going. And she's given you life, mate. She's given you a reason. She's given you a purpose. And the two of you are doing great, great things. So, John Ma, thanks for being part of the show. Thank you, Andrew. Oh, my gosh. I've gone through about half a box of tissues with that conversation with John. I tried to keep it together, but wow, he's told that story so many times and he's still got so much passion to get the message out for Carmen's legacy and to help people understand the power, understand how amazing they are, and most importantly, understand the effect that the choices they have will have on people that they care about. The ripple effect of the choices we make is almost incomprehensible. So I hope this message got through. I hope you got to really understand the power that you have and the impact that your choices are going to have on people that you care about. The power of a cuddle. The power of a cuddle. If you've got some issues at the moment, some family or friendships that are strained, go and give a cuddle. One more cuddle and see what happens. Fix things. Wow, what an amazing conversation that was with John Ma and what an incredible man he is doing fabulous work to help people to save lives and to really help people avoid things that are avoidable. That's for sure. So thanks, John. If you want to buy John's book, Carmen's Legacy, and find out more about some of the amazing stuff that he's doing, you can find out all of that at his website, which is carmen.com.au. You can buy his book and you can find out about everything that he does. So go to his website. I want to thank Pietro and the team at Fiddy for sponsoring this podcast. Wow, is this message not powerful and important? And I thank you so much, guys, for helping me get it out to the world. And I also thank you for the great work you're doing to help people be fabulous, fit and healthy. Another week down and another amazing conversation. I will be back next week because I want to keep bringing these wonderful people to you and their incredible messages to you to help you live your best life to help you have the greatest impact you can have on the world around you and for you to love your life so join me next week my name's andrew jobling this is the wellness puzzle podcast